The following program is paid for by Rudy Wealth Management. Good morning, and welcome to Paul Rudy's On the Money. You're invited to be part of today's show. Call 356-9397. Opinions and views expressed represent those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the station. And now, Paul Rudy's On the Money. Well, welcome everybody to Paul Rudy's On the Money radio show. I'm here with my regular cast of characters, Dr. Well, I will pick you one of the cast of characters. Fred is actually right. a good character. <laughs> Dr. Fred Yurtz. And I have certified financial planner and retirement income certified professional David Rudy. Good morning. And certified financial planner professional Ryan Repco. You can call in with your questions at 217-356-9397 or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line at 351-5357. You can also email your questions to talk at wdws.com. We also want to welcome those tuning in on Facebook Live. It's important to recognize that past performance is not an indication of future results. You should not make any investment decisions without first consulting your own financial advisor and conducting your own research and due diligence. Got that out of the way, guys. Well, Fred, anything new out there in uh, economics land? I mean, uh, it it seems like it's been kind of a quiet couple of weeks. Yeah, in a sense, it's more of the same. Uh, We have these kind of mini cycles when... Uh, the cycles used to last for months or years. Now we have a uh, one week to the next week. Uh, everything's going bad. The world economy is slowing, and uh, we may be uh, certainly slowing down and maybe headed for recession. And a few days later, that, that's all gone, and we're back to uh, the kind of uh, situation we've been in for a long time. So I think we're, we're still in that. Uh, going back to your uh, analogy, the, the uh, plow horse economy, even though it's been. 10 years of uh, pulling the plow, we're moving ahead, but moving ahead probably at not 3%, but 2%. Inflation is still low. Um, unemployment is very low. So, again, it's, it's kind of more of the same. And more of the same, uh, while we would probably prefer, uh, most anybody would prefer a 3% growing economy, real GDP compared to 2 you know, without inflation and without, uh, you know, the, it's kind of like, I always get worried when the economy is too hot. You know, yeah. interest rates are being increased. Uh, capacity utilization is tight. <laughs> labor starts getting priced up. Though labor has made pretty nice gains the last couple of years, right. in particular last year in particular. So, it's yeah, there, there, there's kind of a uh, phases of the cycle. The first phase of the uh, recovery was that uh, we had a recovery with no jobs that lasted for several years, and we had. Uh, lots of jobs, uh, getting the pl- unemployment rate down to almost a historic low. And then the last, uh, not the last, but the next last phase was, even though we have more jobs, we don't have wage growth, but now we're actually having wage growth. So over this period of time, we've added jobs and uh, now eventually uh, adding some uh, wages as well. It would strike me that even if we have this plow horse economy, uh, so I call it 2% real GDP growth uh, with the lack of inflation and all these other things. I, to me, uh, I, think it's, I think it bodes well overall uh, for the stock market probably. Um, you know, again, I get worried when things get overheated and yeah. people get over their skis. We cer- certainly don't seem to be there. But there seems to be this industry of waiting and trying to announce the next recession. It's almost right. this obsession with recession uh and you know look this has been a strange 10-year period yeah i mean it's certainly unlike yeah, all kinds of things any that i can think of yeah. uh, so why couldn't we go uh, another two three four five years without a recession i mean it's possible certainly possible and uh, again there's a, a saying among uh i guess uh, several banks and so on that uh uh expansions don't die of old age uh, something happens so again there's clearly things that could happen in the next uh year or two that might uh, move us down, but it's not happening right now. So again, predicting a recession is very difficult. And it may well be that uh, the slow recovery has added to the length of the recovery as opposed to bouncing back really, really quickly. And again, uh, no one gives us a choice, a multiple choice. Would you like 4%, 3%, 2% growth? You have to take what's uh, given you and 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 deal with it. And that's sort of the situation we're in. I read a lot about uh, the, the reason maybe that we're having uh, below normal growth is because the government keeps borrowing so much money and it crowd it crowds out the private sector. Is there much to that? Do you well, think there could be? But I think the uh, 
again, with that crowding out usually occurs through interest rates and interest rate, you know, when the government borrows a huge amount of money that drives up uh, interest rates and makes it more difficult for uh, firms to invest, but that's clearly not the case now. So I think that's a, a longer term problem, but not right now. I think the, uh, again, their, their economists have different views of this, but one view is that we're just in a, a different era that uh, it's no longer uh, uh, a period when we have uh, lots of new inventions. Most of our inventions are important, but uh, relatively modest compared to indoor plumbing and, uh, and right. antibiotics and things of that sort. And so we may just be in a period of, of slower growth. So several people think that's true. Other people think that who knows the future. We may break out of it any time when uh, things start to happen again. So again, people think about innovation. We've had tremendous innovation in terms of uh, cell phones, the internet, and things of that sort. But you have to compare that to things like uh, indoor plumbing, not having to haul water into your house, right. uh, being able to uh, not worry about uh, dying of infections and the automobile, the airplane, things of that sort. So um, th there may not be as many new um, innovations now as we, we think. At least that are like that game changing. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, our, our lives get improved every day. I mean, yeah. I think of just a GPS, which now is free, yeah. uh, you know, the time that can save people in a given year and aggravation and stress. Yeah. Dave, what are you laughing at? <laughs> you, know, I get, you think I have road, road rage on trips, don't you? It's just weird. Are you scarred from your childhood, Dave? No, it's just weird <clears throat> for me to even think about a time when people had to use maps. Like, I can just go <laughs> Guys where, didn't. wherever I want, whenever I want, and just plug it into Waze or, you know, even Google Maps and just get there. And these, aren't, and they, these types of improvements aren't even in the gross no, domestic product, they, they are they? Very, very, uh, things that's, and they, you know, they, they didn't cost more. It's just there. It's an improvement in quality of... Uh, Things. Think about how many relationships have been saved by a GPS not having a co-pilot like your spouse trying to give you directions on the way your vacation. <laughs> well, well, guys always need those directions. We just don't like to ask for them. Everybody knows that. Well, it seems to me... Uh, yeah, you get used to things like uh, a couple weeks ago, the uh, uh, Comcast went out for the whole city, and it was right. like uh, you, you couldn't watch your, your games, you couldn't uh, get your internet, things of that sort, so you realize how... How dependent it is, but we all all lived through it. It wasn't a, a big deal. It's certainly, you know, <laughs> certainly not the duress people uh, went through a hundred years ago just to get the common things. For sure, we we do get used to uh, civilization pretty quickly. We get pretty spoiled pretty fast, yep. and that may be part of what's going on. It's just maybe this is, you know, of course it's always scary to say we're in a new era, but you know, I, I think. Even though, as we go back historically around the around the globe and through hundreds of years, I mean there are cycles. There are even major cycles within economies where there are periods of, you know, seem like perpetual high interest rates yeah. and then perpetual low interest rates. And I, I think like anything, yeah. uh, humans evolve. And we talk uh, about behavioral things. People incorporate the way things are and that becomes the normal so no one gets up every morning and say i'm really glad that i'm not going to have to worry about dying of an infection from a, a cut or something you, know, you just take that for granted down i think it's just humans we take everything for granted just you know how the poverty rate has declined over the last 10 or 15 20 years uh, amazingly so not that there isn't any poverty but we've certainly made big you know improvements there and probably because of freer markets and capitalism uh, some would argue, probably Stan would argue about that. He would say it was the Democrats. Sorry, Stan, I just have to tease you a little bit. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to move on from there. Uh, I, did, I think I may have our notes out of order, guys, so I'm just going to go with it here. Uh, Paul Jr., my son Paul, recently wrote a blog on a trip to southern Utah. Uh, I guess he was out there to see some national parks. As he wrote, uh, And he wrote a blog about how people shouldn't wait retirement to enjoy life i mean we we seem to as human beings it seems rational you know you want to sacrifice today's for your future down the road and it's kind of this balancing act and it's called don't wait until retirement i know my wife cried a little bit and i think yeah, her sister cried a little bit of course it, it part of the blog is about her husband my ex my brother not ex-brother and all he died and Paul gets into that a little bit, but you can re read that. Don't wait until retirement at RudyWealth.com. It's received a lot of positive feedback. <laughs> For a blog that a guy didn't even want to publish, it's probably one of his most, you know, probably got the most positive feedback on that. But again, it's basically about how as young retirement planners, because I think people in town know it's, I'm the old guy, and I have four guys in their upper 20s and low 30s, that 
you know, we t- you young guys talk a lot about retirement planning at your job, but you know, we're always preparing for things that won't arrive for decades. And, and as Paul wrote, it can even trickle into his personal life or young people's personal lives. He mentions over the past few years, he'd definitely been putting things off and truly wanted to do in the f- uh, future. And he wrote that this summer really changed all that for him. Uh, part was the passing of his uncle in the mid-50s. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Tim Kirkham, who's my brother-in-law, he died, I was Tim 56, I think so, 56, mm-hmm. um, about four months ago. But he hosted this show for a while for right. me. He filled in for, I don't know, a period of months. Uh, I think so that hit him. And then a, a friend of his just not too long ago in his early 30s died. And I think these are always things that happen to humans. But it was interesting for him to turn that into kind of a perspective about retirement and all this wrapped in. Uh, but he gets into it in a pretty personal way. And, of course, he starts out with confession that he doesn't even have a retirement plan himself. And his brother-in-law and retirement planners <laughs> yourselves. Uh, what do you guys think of that? I mean, uh, I know you guys have run financial plans for yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. Dave's already told me he doesn't need his job, you know, in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> but, uh, before, before you hit that, we do have a call. We're going to go to line one if I can reach over here. Hi, this is Paul Rudy's on the money. Stan, is that you? I'll try Stan again. Oh, I think I might have dropped him. Uh, so what's your take on that? Okay, so you guys, Ryan, you're in your low 30s. Dave, you're upper 20s. You're almost 30. You're getting, you're getting hey, just your birthday's coming up. That's right. You had your birthday party last weekend. Really. <laughs> kind of what's your take on that, the balancing between, you know, so much emphasis on retirement, but yet you guys are in your 20s and 30s. I think it's important for anybody, and no matter what age of life you're in, to just keep a, a mindset on the future, but also not forgoing everything for 5, 10, 20 years out, whatever your retirement time frame may be. I think that was why I think this blog was so popular. It, it just struck the human nerve so easily that for us as retirement advisors, we're preaching, make sure you're saving, make sure you're thinking about retirement. But in the meantime, we're, I think we're all as advisors, especially some of the younger ones, still enjoying our life. We don't talk about that as much, and that's what this blog really tried to bring to light is there are two sides to the coin. There's there's retirement, but it doesn't mean saving everything to the extent of, of not enjoying your years, the vast majority of your life pre-retirement. Do you think if uh, even young people have a, a you know can live their financial life in the backdrop of a plan, even if it's a you know just a back-of-the-envelope type of plan, uh, that would create maybe the possibility for more balance? In other words... Um, if you don't have a plan, you don't really know. You're not pointed at anything. So you never know, am I spending too much? Am I spending too little? Is that what a plan, even for younger people, you know, might, I don't want to say cure it, but help kind of, you know, maintain that balance? Right, because otherwise you don't know. And I think, you know, probably most people have the opposite problem of what Paul's talking about, where they spend probably too much today and aren't aren't saving enough for the future but it is easy for people to go to the other extreme as well. And I listen to a lot of, I've talked about this on the show before, podcasts about early retirement and things like that. And you can fall into this trap where you're skimping and saving every single penny and not doing things that bring you happiness just so you can fully retire and sit around and t- do nothing at a young age. And that's really not what people end up doing anyways. A lot of times people phase their retirement. So I think sometimes we... We turn retirement into this all-or-nothing type decision when it really doesn't have to be. I agree, and, and I think part of that blog is also about, hey, we can prepare and prepare and prepare, but we may not even get there. So, I mean, right. you know, it's all kind of this perspective. I think I'm going to have Stan here. Stan, welcome to Paul Rudy's On The Money. Stan, are you there? Stan. I'm here. Oh, gotcha. All right, Stan. Was a, were your ears ringing? Did I hear you invoke my name? <laughs> well, I said Stan. How do you know it was you, Stan? What's going on in your world, Stan? Yeah. Now, you, I heard you talk a little bit about uh, you can't judge when the next recession is going to happen. In 2007, maybe it was early 2008, I called the station, I'm not sure it was your show, but my point was, I drive around the countryside quite a bit, and I was surprised to be seeing so many train uh, trains with fewer than 10 cars behind the engine. 
And a few weeks ago, I heard a report from the government that uh, commercial shipments were down. And over the last uh, several days, I have once again seen two trains with fewer than 10 cars. I, is the shipment something we should be worried about? Fred? It's something we should be uh, aware of. I think that there are lots of signs, and that one of the things that uh, is happening is what you talked about, that uh, uh, shipping uh, transportation has not done as well the last uh, several months, so it may be an indication that uh, there's a slowdown in manufacturing. But uh, I don't know. It, it is 2007 and 2019 the only time you've seen trains going by without uh, a full complement of cars? So it, could, it may happen many times, and... Uh, you may, may be predicting more recession than there actually are. So, again, that's one sign, and it's something uh, you want to be aware of. Uh, would, would I uh, bet the farm on it? The answer probably is no. And even if, uh, suppose you could have, uh, more often than not, be right about the timing of a recession, I suppose, then there some people could use that, suppose, in theory, to their advantage. But many times by the time we even recognize we're in a recession, you know, some of the damage is done in the stock market, the temporary right. damage anyway. Right. Okay. All right, Stan. When, when, when you uh, used my name, I think, earlier, Yes. I, I, I think I heard the word Democrat before that. Oh, I, I think and I was just said, teasing about, I, I forget we were talking yeah. about prosperity, or I can't remember what it was. Yeah, you, I, you were teasing. I didn't, I came in when you said Democrat, <laughs> and then that ought to get Stan's attention or something like that. That's when I came in. Well, but here's a little, little, if you don't mind, just a very quick okay, comment about what the Democrats are doing and have to be doing because it's their constitutional obligation, and that is impeaching the president. All right, and now, Stan. the fact of the matter is, when they first start the impeachment process, you're more likely than not to see a uh, slight pullback or maybe a a temporary large pullback in the market. Yeah. I think that's historically true. <laughs> well, it could be. So, way to sneak in that politics, Dan. <laughs> We're going to let you go. Thanks for calling, Stan. <laughs> anyway, I don't, you know, I don't mind uh, having Stan on the phone. Yeah. I just... When I might kid around about politics. I'm all over the map personally, so I mean, nobody should, uh, you know, think that I'm feel strongly one way or another. But uh, uh, anyway, I, yeah. I don't want it. To, it's so easy to have a show, and then all of a sudden it becomes just a rehash, yeah. and not a criticism of Stan. It's just this isn't what we want for that show. I was going to say something in regard to the getting back on topic to the uh, idea of don't wait too long. Uh, it's, it may be kind of paternalistic on my part, but it's not. So you do things early, but I suggest uh, doing things that create memories, uh, not things that uh, give you a bigger car or a bigger house or things of that sort, because your memories are going to be with you all your life. So if you go to the, like one son went to the Vatican, the other son went to uh, Southern Utah, they're going to remember that their whole lives if they had gone to uh, a vacation resort. <laughs> exactly. In, in fact, uh, youngest Daniel, you know, uh, about a year ago, he bought a new fancy bass boat and then i think after about six months i realized like a lot of people you know it's just one more thing to take care of it's another responsibility it is quite expensive and sometimes it comes at the expense of those memories and being with his family and going on trips and stuff like that so you know it's look it's it's one of the human nature is tough it's a tough nut to crack and but i do think it's pretty universal as we get older the less that stuff means to us and then the more that we reflect you know i think anybody who's reasonable would probably feel that way uh, says i i guess well and i was gonna mention about this topic too is you know it's not just applicable to young people a lot of times we have people come into our office that are in their low 50s and they're just tired of the job that they've been working for the last 20 or 25 years but maybe you're not financially ready to fully retire like you don't you haven't accumulated enough money and you're so far away from Social Security and, and Medicare that it can be tough to bridge that gap. And, and one of the things you're really good about in meetings, not just on this issue, is just people always turn decisions into these all-or-nothing decisions, or it's this or it's this. And a lot of times there are middle ground options or other options that people don't think about. And one of the things that you can do is look into, well, if you really don't like your job, and maybe it's a high-paying job, do you really need your full income? Maybe maybe you don't even have to save anymore. You just need to let your portfolio grow for another 10 years or so. 
well, now you don't need to earn as much because you don't need that savings, and you can go work a job that's a lower-paying job, but you enjoy it. Or maybe maybe you can cut back your hours at your current job. And these are things that I think people don't think about, um, but they're often a perfect solution for people who are really burnt out of their, their current situation and want to change but aren't quite able to fully retire. Yeah, I find that uh, probably the most common thing that we deal with are people that have this kind of ideal life that they want, and then they look at the life that they're actually living. And, you know, I'm always looking for ways. We can't always close that gap day one, but what can we do to narrow the gap between the life we want and the one we're living? And and you're right. Most people think in binary terms. It's either I work or I don't work, or, you know, I, I, I save or I don't save. Uh, and again, we're always reaching for just trying to narrow that gap over time to ult- hope, hoping we can close that gap. And if you can do that, uh, you know, then people get better, happier, more fulfilled lives. And again, I, it's just, I think humans do tend to think in, in binary ways where it's one thing or the other. And I think that's what a, a good advisor can do is say, hey, have you thought of this? Have you thought, hey, I've seen this work and I, I've, I've had clients that do this. Sometimes people don't even give themselves permission to think about those possibilities. Or the left side of their brain quickly discounts them and says, well, I couldn't afford to do that. And a lot of times that's not the case. They've just never really tested it. I, um, speak, I, go ahead. I was going to say, one thing that I, I love most in, in some of these meetings is where someone comes in not sure if they can retire, how far out they may be, and we evaluate their assets and, and where they are financially. And you're able to tell them with a high degree of certainty that they have the assets that they could retire now at a certain lifestyle and they may or may not be a little burned out from work but just knowing that they have that ability sitting down in that meeting that if they wanted to pull out now they could continue a life that they would like in retirement that in itself is so transformative that they may go back to work happily now because they know at any moment they could pull out of work and be fine and they're not feeling like they're slaving away because they're trapped in a job or trapped trying to stow away extra money for retirement. They've already achieved it. They just maybe hadn't been informed of such yet. So I think it's exciting to see the almost the the smile slowly creep onto the face. And it's almost, it's a little questioning there. I was like, I don't know. Can I, is it true? Can I believe it? And it's, it's kind of fascinating. Well, and that get, gets back to Paul's point in his blog where he talks about how when you don't have a plan, you don't know. So it's easy to right. delay uh, the life that your ideal life or however you want to phrase it, retirement, um, longer than you have to or work a job that you think you need the income from, but you really don't need that full income if because you haven't run the numbers. But once you run the numbers, now you can start actually figuring out kind of reality and what your options are and you can start playing around with the different levers and see what you can do to get closer to your ideal life as soon as possible as opposed to waiting for some arbitrary anchor point which a lot of people do you know they wait till 62 when they can get social security or 65 when they you know people just anchor to these things because they have no other basis for making a decision yeah it's uh it's always interesting you know one of the benefits of doing something for 35 years is hopefully you get pretty decent at it and your brain can work a little faster but I do think, Ryan, one of the greatest benefits or joys we give people, even if they're not ready to become a client, is when they do walk in wondering, they're usually there for a reason, and Mm -hmm. for most of the time, since retirement uh, planning is our specialization, uh, typically it's kind of a, hey, I'm just wondering, and and it's really, you've heard me say it more times than you probably care to, do you think you're, are you working because you think you have to, or that you want to, or is it some combination of both? And usually they'll say it's a combination of both. And that's why in that first appointment, uh, again, whether they become a client or not, I can give them a pretty quick assessment, of re- a realistic assessment of what their monthly spend is going to be if they were to retire now or next year, uh, within close enough for uh, government work, okay? So uh, uh, I think that is, that's something people, if, if you know, again, to do a shameless commercial, I suppose, but one of the services we do provide people in the first visit never we don't charge for that it's on us is kind of if you just even if you just want to hear from somebody who's been doing this for all these years to say is it even a possibility or am i close or how big of a gap is it um usually within a half hour to an hour meeting we can drill down pretty fast in that if the people are prepared with their you know we i don't like to be presumptuous to think that's what people want to come in and share their money first i try not to even talk about that unless they bring it up so Speaking of retirement, 
uh, read an article about forced early retirement. A new survey from NerdWallet finds that today's retirees stopped working at age 59 on average. And so I was thinking, how big is this study? And it's in here somewhere, but it's a, it was several thousand people that they uh, surveyed. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I'm not sure I believe it. I mean, I believe that's what their survey might have said, but that's not, you know, but it, is, it does seem like it's getting earlier and earlier. But as you can imagine, if you read further in the article, uh, you, you know, well, of course, in the article it says because Social Security doesn't kick in until as late as 67 for many. Uh, you might want to push that retirement even later. But 36% of those people that retired early, as, as opposed to historically speaking, when you think of 65, I suppose, or uh, 36 said they didn't have a choice. 18% said they had to stop working because of health. 9% the job loss forced them into retirement. Uh, Daniel, my son, has written an entire blog about this before where he mentions inadequate savings, penalties and taxes for early withdrawals on tax-deferred accounts and the difficulty of paying for health insurance. And that is, that's one of the real challenges of, for, for one, and, you know, it can be, well, wait a minute, Medicare doesn't kick in until 65, and then I got this four- or five-year gap on health care. Sometimes that can be addressed and, be, and can get worked out because it's, Intuitively, it seems like an impossible problem, but because it doesn't span their whole retirement, it can. But other than you know, what other pitfalls can you think of? You know, just kind of off the top of your head, if people are thinking about retiring, or what might they think of if they want to be one of those people that retire and they're with a five in front of their age. Well, and and even just getting back to the study, uh, I know when I was going through the RICP, they talked about the issue of people being forced into retirement, so people will. You know, there's a good portion of people that say, I will never retire, I, I don't want to retire, and then they use that as justification for basically spending every dollar they earn. The problem is uh, there is a, a decent portion of the population where people get forced into retirement for, you know, health issues or to take care of family members was a common one. And I remember they said the average retirement age was somewhere around 62 in that. So uh, the first thing is just realize that even if you don't, wouldn't ideally retire or don't plan on retiring until a later age, realize there there are situations where you may be forced to retire earlier, so you still need to kind of sort of plan so that you'll be at least somewhat okay if that reality shows up. At least up. you look at that scenario. We have a couple of callers. I haven't been attention to the left side of my board here, and I have Tom and John waiting. I'm going to go to Tom first on line one. Tom, welcome to Paul Rudy's On The Money. Hi. Yes, sir. Um, I was wondering if you could explain to me what's what's going on with the repo rate. And is it the cause for concern? I mean, there's a huge spike in it, and some people are saying that could be a sign of a recession coming. Uh, <clears throat> I think you're talking about the <clears throat> overnight borrowing rate for the uh, the Federal Reserve, which uh, spiked up, uh, being around 1% or so, going up really high for a couple of days. And it's really a complicated area that uh, probably a few people, including me, understand fully, but uh, banks borrow overnight to meet their reserve requirements. So there's a, a like a, a market after hours of people borrowing money, banks borrowing money from uh, uh, other banks or the Fed or whatever. And for some reason, there was kind of a shortage there. And the Fed stepped in and provided more liquidity. So I think it's more of a technical issue. Uh, the, the, the original reason for the Federal Reserve back in 1913 was not to stabilize the economy, but to provide liquidity in different parts of the country, depending on uh, uh, the time of the year, crops, things of that sort, or liquidity for banks. And this is kind of an old-fashioned uh, duty of the Fed that they stepped in to do. So I don't really think it means much one way or another. It's not like a, uh, a spike in interest rates because people fear that uh, uh, the economy is going to have a, a credit crisis, something of that sort. And I think repurchase rates can kind of track that on any, any given moment yeah. as, as well. So that could be it. Well, Tom, that's the best we got. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thank thanks, you. Tom. Now we're going to go to John. John, you're on line two. Welcome to Paul Rudy's On The Money. Good morning. Hey, I just wanted to follow up with you on what you're talking about, about that first meeting and walking in and seeing if you're one of the people that can retire. Yes, sir. Um, most of my life, I was a no-load mutual fund investor. Still am. Uh, wasn't sure I could retire. I came in and I had the meeting with you. You were uh, gracious enough to give me great information and more than that you even gave me the confidence to go ahead and do some things uh, like rolling over my 401k into a 401 into an IRA by myself you're a man of your word and I just want to 
give you a pat on the back and thank you for what you did for me. <laughs> All right, you're welcome, John. Thanks. Yeah. Again, uh, you know, yeah. try not to have those testimonials, but I think it was at least light version of it where you know, I, you know, nobody should choose me because yeah. John <laughs> called that, so that's my way yeah. to escape here, Mister yeah. Compliance Officer. Well, no, I'm it always happy to have a compliant. Not, not an existing. It's client, not a client, right, so, so that that helps. Yeah. You also, we, we haven't talked about it. You have to decide how important your job is to you as well. So some people, like I read an article about Jay Leno on, on uh, Sunday, and he, uh, I, I think, has plenty of money to retire, but he works two to nights a year and has a, a TV show in addition to that. So some people can't, don't want to give it up, so they have to make that decision. And it's hard to make because you don't know what retirement is like until you actually retire. Yeah, I think you know. All, most of the time when he was doing comedy, I read somewhere where he basically always had two jobs, and anything he made from his comedy work, he banked. Yeah. He he just kind of lived on his regular salary. So, <laughs> I sat next to him in 1987 at Willard Airport. We were on an airplane, and I forget where I was. I think I was headed to New York, and he had just done a concert that night. And, they made me move up to first class. They must have needed a fat guy to balance out the plane. And who am I sitting next to? Jay Leno. And I remember, because at that time, I thought of myself, you know, I'm a kind of a stockbroker type. And he said, oh, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm kind of a stockbroker. He goes, he started making fun of me instantly. Like, wow, most people won't admit that right now because the market had crashed. You know, so I thought you were about to say, he's going to say, well, that would be the shortest conversation we'll have on this trip. And then he said, hey, fathead, quit talking. <laughs> so, Ryan, I see you were quoted in U.S. News and also picked up by Yahoo Finance about the basics of expense ratios. That seems like something that's kind of uh, rudimentary, but really it's kind of an important issue uh, to, for people to be thinking about. So how did you happen to, you know, is that you did something you weighed in on when somebody asked you to be part of an article, I guess? Yeah, just a, it was just one of those things where I look at and I think the terminology itself, most folks probably don't know, but in in the back of the head, they know that there's going to be costs with investing, and it was something where I thought I could add a little bit of perspective on. And uh, the expense ratio is just the cost of owning a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund. Um, and the, the purpose of explaining what this is is to say that for most investors, you can't control the returns you get. You can't control the sequence of returns, good or bad, that come at you. You can't control the economic conditions that we're in at the time that we invest. But the one thing we can control is the funds we choose within our 401k or our IRAs or our brokerage accounts. And when you look at the expenses of those funds, those are the, er the areas that you actually can, can see improved returns on by not choosing more expensive funds. And we have a text. One was for Fred, but you answered it about the repo rate. And another text says, my husband's receiving a pension from the state of Illinois. Early in his life, he paid into Social Security for about 13 years. How will his pension affect how much he will receive from Social Security? Uh, I can, uh, yeah, I can, can give a, that up? A, a generic answer. Right. Uh, for most people, uh, uh, you used to get a letter in the mail every, every year about your Social Security situation right. and your expected benefits. Uh, but for people who uh, participate in a, um, a private, not private, but a, a state and local government pension system, there's something called a, a windfall benefit elimination. So uh, what happens is you end up not getting all of the Social Security you, um, you supposedly earned if you don't have a substantial number of years in Social Security. It's not just qualifying for Social Security, but having a, a number of years. So I suspect that if your husband only worked – 10 or 15 years, his uh, Social Security is going to be diminished pretty substantially because of that. But this is the only way you could find out is either go on an estimator or go right. to the and uh, really, place. And, and you're right, it, Fred. And it really centers around how many years you worked outside of that state system. Right. And, uh, and if you want an actual number, the way you can do it is first get a Social Security statement, which you can get online at, on Social Security's website. Um, and then they have a specific calculator that says it's like the – WEP, that stands for the Windfall Elimination Provision, the WEP Adjusted Calculator, or something, I forget the exact name of it, but it'll have WEP on the front of it. And you plug in the actual earnings mm -hmm. from the statement, you plug in the expected pension benefit amount, uh, I think it's on a monthly basis, mm -hmm. and then it will calculate what your your actual Social Security will be, and it, and it will be lower than what's shown on the statement. And and, the, and if you work 30 years, I think, is it, uh, outside yep. of the system, if you've worked that or more, then there is no 
right. uh, elimination. But so it's really 20 years, there's... Yeah. There's substantial earnings, not just they have, checking in. Correct. Right. They have to be substantial earnings. So, But so suffice it to say, uh, for this answer, uh, there's going to be some of that Social Security check is certainly going to be diminished somewhat. And the, the best way to find out, uh, I don't... Because it's a... It really depends on how many number of years and all those things. That's just and the part of it. Pension. The amount of the pension. It also mentions. So yeah. it's uh, it's a little bit of a convoluted formula, but there is an impact. I can promise you that. And whatever the Social Security number it says you're going to get, it won't be that amount. It will be less. Um, there's all kinds of little provisions for that. Some people really get angry about that. And, well, there uh, is a uh, uh, surprisingly, there is actually a, ra- uh, a rationale the government. <laughs> had in doing that that makes some sense the fact is that people who have very low incomes during their life get get back more from social security compared to what they put in than someone who has higher earnings so for someone like me my social security earnings are very meager for most of my life because i was paid outside social security with the uh, uh, state of illinois so i would look like a relatively low income person and they say why should they subsidize someone who looks like a low income person who's really not right so so they have this uh, uh, benefit elimination provision. Right, and that's exactly the reason. It's just, you know, as you said, because, you know, uh, the bend points, uh, you know, you get 90% of the first uh, annual inflation-adjusted earnings. Uh, and so, and that is pretty centered to say people that were lower earners get much more of their Social Security than high earners do. So there's a good reason. Dave, I want to get to your ebook. I know you spent a long time on this, and it's about retirement. And I don't know. You spent about a year writing it. Was it? Would that be fair? Uh, I don't think it was six that months, long. Six, maybe nine six months. months. I kind of had a hiatus because I got busy at work, and it was just something I was working on in the background. Well, tell people a little bit about the ebook, which is basically a uh, uh, booklet that you can go to our website at rudywealth.com. And if you're thinking about retirement, it's a pretty comprehensive, but not overly comprehensive, to where it's actually readable. Right. Uh, uh, most if not all the major issues that you need to think about going into retirement. So tell us a little bit about what people might expect from that ebook. Yeah, well, it's really designed to kind of guide you through the process. It's really designed for the person who's approaching retirement probably within the next couple years and basically wants to figure out, okay, am I financially ready? And then assuming they are financially ready, kind of walks you through the process of actually pulling the trigger and retiring, things like rolling over your retirement accounts, um, some of the, the things that you can easily mess up and, and kind of things to watch out for there, um, how to file for Social Security benefits and, and kind of pieces of advice there, and then also how to um, figure out how you're going to fund health care. Um, and it really was the idea for it, and it kind of grew from there, was we had a client who was in this situation, probably going to be retiring in the next couple years, and he just mentioned, man, it'd be really nice if there was like a checklist that just was, you know, things that you need to do while uh, while you're going through the process of leaving your employer and retiring. And so I started doing that, and then it kind of just grew from there, and I made it a little bit more thorough. Well, there's a lot of steps I'm looking at. Uh, I know we covered a couple of them last uh, show, I think. And then it goes on to cover five more steps, everything from gathering up all your financial data. That's step three, creating a retirement plan. Step four, rolling in, rolling over retirement accounts. Step five, health care. Step six, and Social Security. That's a pretty comprehensive list. That certainly checks all the major uh, checkbooks. Uh, was it, like, interesting to write, or was it boring or painful to write, or...? No, I mean, it was pretty, honestly, pretty easy because it's basically what I do for people every every single day. So it was just thinking about, okay, well, what are the steps along the process that we basically guide people through? And if someone is kind of approaching this and just wondering, okay, what's this process look like? And what really, I think probably the main benefit is it's, here are all the things you need to think about and here are some of the issues. And one of the sections is develop a, a retirement plan. And it goes through basically the key issues that you should address in a retirement plan because I think a lot of times people will miss certain things um, that are really, really critical when you're developing a retirement plan. And um, that's kind of just, that, that was really the idea behind it. Is it just to get people kind of with their head on straight going into retirement? Um, you know, it's not going to do it for them, but you know, miss it, get, you know, you want to get all these things as right as you can. Right. And then I also provided additional resources at the back. So I said, you know, look, if you're a a do-it-yourself investor or a do-it-yourself financial planner and you want to try to build your own financial plan, 
here are some great books that go into a lot more detail than my ebook. My ebook's more of a kind of a high level overview. Um, but then I have those additional resources in the back for people who want to get into a lot of detail on, uh, things like how much you can withdraw from your investment portfolio, um, you know, how to fund long term care expenses, filing for, uh, Medicare and figuring out healthcare and stuff like that. So the security claiming, which is one of the biggest things that most people right. have to deal with. And I know books have been written on how to handle that and you address it in the ebook as well, which is important. Yeah, exactly. And again, that's just one of the areas where I basically say here, you're kind of at a, at a basic level, how social security claiming works and, and here are considerations for claiming earlier versus later. Um, so it's not necessarily saying what you should do. It's pointing out here are all these issues. Here are things to consider. Here are things that you need to address during this phase of life. Because what you don't want is to uh, retire when you're not really truly financially ready, or you don't want to retire and realize that you forgot to fi- think about how you're going to fund uh, long-term care expenses, or retire because you think you have enough income but right. you're barely squeaking by, and then. You know, you need to replace a roof or get dentures or hearing aids that are several thousand dollars. And then you realize, okay, I I probably should have left some buffer room in there. So there are just all these considerations. So it's really about, and I think the whole thing about planning is about, you know, kind of like, hey, let's figure out what might happen and then make a decision as opposed to, hey, let's do something and then find out what happens. I mean, it's amazing. I always think, Fred... How much would we pay to be able to kind of know what's right. going to happen, and you know, and then make a decision as opposed to do yeah. it the other way? Well, my pay, not to know too. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, you might. Um, uh, one of the other things we're going to talk more about this in a couple of shows when your brother Daniel and Paul are on. But one of the things we've come out with, and uh, again, this may sound like a commercial. I'm trying to. Oh, wait, we'll get to this first. Uh, uh, what would be your plan for a guy that hasn't prepared for? This is a text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. What would be your plan for a guy that hasn't prepared for retirement and finds himself in his late fifties with a labor background? Well, I think first you want to look at what are his income streams going to be. Things like Social Security. Um, a lot of or, times, there's pensions or if for there's laborers. A pension. Um, because that can that can be hugely helpful, and then you might realize you don't need as much in investment assets as you might have thought. Because I think sometimes people hear, "Oh, you need a million dollars to retire," like arbitrary numbers that just mean nothing to you know. It's just different for everyone. Um, so a lot of times, uh, those social security or pensions can replace a substantial portion of your income. And then it's just looking at, okay, well, if that falls short of the income that you need, how are we going to close that gap? And how much do we need to save and how should it be invested between now and your retirement date? And it might be, you know, there might be certain unfortunate realities for someone in that situation where you're not going to be the person who retires at 62, maybe you retire at 70 or something along those lines. And that allows you to delay Social Security till 70 so you get a bigger benefit. And that's that many more years of saving and just letting your portfolio grow. Just find out how big of a, you know, when I see a text like that, it's probably someone who's worried. Right. And almost afraid to find out. Those are my words. It's not the person that texts. And a lot of times, it, we're 50. But you know what? You don't want to ask yourself that question when you're 60. I would say that. Better to ask it at 50 when you're probably in your prime earning years. If you have the sprouts at home, they probably have left or they're about to. Uh, it may be a time in your life where you can throw the most. I mean, the 50s are somewhat magical for lots of people because the kids are out of the house. If they have them, you're in your best paying time of your career. And it's the time you find out how much. So really, without a plan, and I would so I, my advice is find somebody, a fee-based financial planner, that can do a pretty quick, you know, it, it, sometimes it can be back of the envelope. Like, okay, here's your pension, here's, your, here's the age, all right. looks to me like it can be done. And you really want to find out at 50 and not at 55 well, and, or and 60. This is a situation, too, where sometimes a little bit of part-time work can be a total game exactly. changer. Exactly. So a lot of times for people that work in the labor, you know, you're, you're using your body. It's, it's hard work. It's, it's really, it's, it's hard work. Right. And so then that wears on you. And this is at least my experience with the clients that I have. And I've actually done hard. You guys don't, you don't know this, but I actually did a lot of hard labor jobs when I was younger. Uh, worked on the highway, Department of Transportation. I did all that stuff. Um, there comes kind of an exhaustion point where the thought of doing this, you know, at age 70 is just impossible. That's why I think they need to find a, a decent 
a, a good financial plan that says, look, at least at 62 or so, there's some relief. You can mutate out of that job into a different part-time job and make a pretty decent retirement out of it. And I was going to mention the point that Dave took my thunder for. Po- <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, po- naturally. Possibly making a job switch because the, the hard labor job is, is something you may not be able to continue with physically, but you can still continue to work in another capacity. So, Yeah, usually the surprises are to the upside, but you know, you're know you probably going to be surprised one way or another, but it's better to be surprised and know, and then you can do something about it. So what I was getting into earlier, um, you know, over the years, based kind of on success i suppose and everybody in our industry says you have to keep raising your account minimums for the people you deal with and so we had hiked them up to a half a million i was reluctant to do that you guys knew that i like to kind of help anybody that needs help but there's a certain practical side of the business where you can only handle so many clients on a given in a given year and uh the young guys came to me fred and said hey we figured out a way to have a more technology driven uh, platform. It still comes with a certified financial planner professional that will be dedicated to them. And it's you get a world-class, low-cost portfolio. It's it's extremely low-cost portfolio. And I'm kind of happy about it because, um, you know, I've been doing this in this town for 35 years. And the one thing that's always bothered me, guys, is somebody walks in with 150 or 250000 and you have to say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't deal with you. It's just left a really bad taste in my mouth. But there were certain practical things about it. So we knocked our heads together and we came up with a platform that allows us, basically for anybody that's 25000 or more, uh, that can work with Rudy Wealth Management, work with a certified financial planner professional. I think that really opens the opportunities for people in town. Uh, I'm not suggesting we're the only ones that can do this. I have no idea. But I know one thing. For people that have been interested and maybe services of a financial advisor because one of the top reasons people will not seek out a financial advice is they're embarrassed or they don't think they have enough money to talk to. And in reality, in many cases, you do have to have a million dollars or so to talk to certain advisors. And that's okay. That's their business. Nothing wrong with that. We wanted to open this up to more people in the community, uh, and we can now do that. Um, so you guys excited about it as I am? Yeah, certainly. I'm I'm excited because it gives maybe an avenue for folks who had maybe seen us or heard us on the radio or TV and thought they seem like they might be people I get along with. And that's really, I think, what so many people base their decisions on, assuming they have the, you know, the experience and credentialing. Then I'm in trouble. That. <laughs> yeah. But it's like so many people base their decision on, you know, likeability. personality, yeah. likability. Do they speak the same language that I do in terms of how do I value money and how I value spending versus saving. And uh, for so many folks, we had to uh, politely ask them, you know, what are their assets they've built up and maybe give them alternatives because we couldn't uh, affordably provide our services to them. And so now we have an option that that allows us to do so in a profitable manner and give advice to folks that we wanted to help uh, all along. And now we can do so through this new platform. Do you guys anticipate uh, working with more younger people? Because right now, it's you know it's retired people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is this a platform also for people that might be in the younger accumulation phase of life that need some guidance when it comes to mortgages? How much of a house really can they not uh, pay for, but what they can really afford? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the proper mortgage, the proper type of insurance, the proper amounts. I mean, is that as certified financial planner professionals, those are the things that naturally are part of that. It's always been difficult to serve the, uh, a lot of younger people that don't have high investment balances, but do need that help. Do you yeah. anticipate that? Certainly, I expect that to be one part of our client segment is just folks who just starting out in their lives and and working and accumulating. So I'll expect to see that. I also expect to see folks who are kind of like in the middle of the path. So they're not they're not at retirement yet necessarily, but they have a lot more assets built up. But maybe they're looking for someone they can trust that. Um, you know, they can put their money into and have a relationship with. So, in reality, is there's more people with two hundred thousand or whatever than there are with two million, and and that's just the reality. And I think everybody has to be able to get quality advice. It doesn't have to be from us, but certainly, I think it's a viable mm-hmm. option. I'm kind of excited about it. It's called Rudy Wealth Management Copilot. You can go to RudyWealth.com and find out about the Rudy Wealth Management Copilot. Again, good news for you. Some of those. 100,000 people will become 500 or a million. You know what? Uh, over the years, I have a lot of clients um, 
because over the years, I look, I grew up, my dad ran a clothing store. He never made much money and raised five boys. I mean, we were not. <laughs> I didn't, never felt like we were poor, but we, we came up just as regular people. So it's just not in my nature. It's very uncomfortable to be able to tell somebody you can't help them simply for the fact that they don't have a certain amount of money. And there's nothing wrong with people that have their minimums. I'm not suggesting that they're they're bad and we're good. I'm just saying that I've been after this, and I really wanted the guys to come up with a way that we can help people. And, again, hopefully some of them with 200, ultimately, uh, if history's any guide, uh, markets will do well over time and certainly those balances can get bit up but we're happy to help people again it's rudy wealth management co-pilot ryan anything on that i was gonna say i think it's fair to say that this decision has weighed on you for years it has i i don't like doing it and and i <laughs> we know that you know on paper there's probably 20 percent of our clients a business coach would say you shouldn't have but those are people that have been with me for 20 25 or 30 years and you know what they help put my kids through college and that's kind of just the way my brain works so i'm not going to abandon them just because I'm getting, you know, for some fancy pants reason. So, again, that's Rudy Wealth Management co-pilot. It's, you won't hear me doing really any more shameless commercials. I'm really trying not to be commercialized about it. We've really stayed away from that, I think, pretty well on this show. But to me, that's just an exciting opportunity to help people, simply help people that need help. Well, Fred, I enjoyed your uh, anniversary party. You had a lot of nice people. Um, all of them naturally seem like really bright people and your kids that's the first time I got to meet them and wow they're sharpies and so uh, Cindy and I really enjoyed that and uh, of course the football game I that day I didn't enjoy so much (laughs) that was a little kind of a tough day but uh if you're a cardinals fan it was a pretty good weekend i my brothers (laughs) my brothers follow the cards and you know but when Lou Brock and Kurt Flood come to your little league game in Alton Illinois when you're I don't know how we are in Little League, 10 years old, you know. I think that's going to have an indelible mark on you to be a Cards fan forever. Um, and then this weekend, Ryan, I guess I get to babysit your three-and-a-half-year-old and your almost one-year-old. So, yep, yep, yeah. you will. You'll hear the uh, the tires screeching out of your driveway, running away as fast <laughs> as possible. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I are different, you know, and the – kids leave she cries and i cry when they come home (laughs) well we hope you enjoyed today's show it's not always about numbers and finance sometimes it's just about family issues and fun uh again dr fred gertz we can't thank you enough for being on our show and so we uh, enjoyed you being here today and thank you for your knowledge and dave and ryan thanks for uh, joining me on the show and we'll be back in two weeks for more of paul rudy's on the money radio show thanks for listening Join us for the second and fourth Tuesday of each month for Paul Rudy's On the Money. Views expressed represent those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the station. This is News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.